So many psalms begin with the Hebrew words Mizmor le David, a psalm of David. And yet for a traditional Jew to say in common parlance, let us sing Mizmor le David, is to immediately reference Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is the psalm of David because it exquisitely expresses in so few sentences the powerful pulsating soul of the psalms in its entirety. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 202, the most famous psalm. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In his book, The Anatomy of Hope, How People Prevail in the Face of Illness, Dr. Jerome Groupman describes a patient of his named George Griffin, who was suffering from a terrible illness and yet made manifest an extraordinary resilience. Groupman recounts his conversation with George, who told him the following, quote, I thought of my forebears. They were pioneers who embarked on a journey west that was perilous and uncertain. Most knew they would perish on the way, but they persisted. Groupman further asked George how his faith sustained him. George replied, I recited the 23rd Psalm before, during, and after each treatment. It spoke so beautifully, so directly, to my plight. Grubman continues, As I recollected the psalm, it became all the more clear to me how George had sustained his fight. There are few words that so capture the courage and comfort that faith provides. End quote. It is likely that the 23rd psalm has offered more spiritual sustenance than any other. And today, I will offer a series of citations from a doctor and his patients, from a rabbi, and from a Jew in Soviet prison, which together can help us understand why for so many, this is the most beloved psalm of all. Let us review the psalm that has inspired so many. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The opening words, The Lord is my shepherd, tells us that David here hearkens back to his own previous vocation. After all, David himself is told by God in the book of Samuel, I took thee from the sheepcoat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people over Israel. Here, in David's psalm, it is God that is the shepherd, and he, the sheep. But what about this psalm makes it so memorable? The answer must be found in one single verse. The opening page of Natan Sharansky's prison memoir contains what is, for so many, I think, the central sentence of the psalm. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. This verse inspired the title of Sharansky's memoir, Fear No Evil. Sharansky further describes in his memoir how when he received the psalm book, he dedicated himself to spiritually internalizing every single psalm, and yet there was one that stuck out above all. Quote, I opened it and immediately decided that I must read all 150 of the psalms, not sometime in the future, but starting today. The print was very tiny and my eyes began to hurt as soon as I looked at the text. Ignoring the pain, I began to copy the psalms in large letters onto a sheet of paper, which took at least an hour for each one. After giving my eyes a long rest, I began translating. At first, I couldn't see a thing. The problem wasn't just with the words, for I knew many of the roots and could guess at many more. But it was sometimes difficult to understand where one sentence ended and the next one began. I was also unfamiliar with many of the Hebrew forms and expressions, but I pressed on to the next psalm, where I found certain words that had appeared in the previous one, whereupon I compared and analyzed them. I can't say that I understood the psalms completely, but I sensed their author. His words lifted me above the mundane and directed me toward the eternal. 
I especially liked Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. End quote. The phrase in the Psalms that is usually rendered the valley of the shadow of death, begates al can actually be translated in slightly different ways. The traditional English rendering seems to be the approach taken by Radak, Rabbi David Kimchi, but many other exegetes render Tzalmavet as a reference to profound darkness. Thus the sentence would be, Though I walk in terrible darkness, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Translating the sentence in this way, we can now perhaps better understand the next sentence, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. David is drawing on his own experience, imagining himself as the sheep and God the shepherd, walking in a night marked by lack of light, with only the shepherd's staff directing the herd along the way. However one renders the Hebrew Tzalmavet, either way, as Jerome Grootman notes, what is being communicated in a profoundly powerful way is the feeling of closeness to the divine. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. There is, in other words, a powerful feeling of knowing one is not alone, for God is with us. And because imitatio Dei, imitating God, is a virtue in Judaism, we too are called to ensure that others do not feel that they are alone. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs describes hearing from the neuroscientist Susan Pinker about individuals with extraordinary longevity that lived in the mountains of Sardinia, people engaged in hard, laborious lives, but who place family and togetherness at the epicenter of their existence. Rabbi Sachs writes, quote, In medical terms, it's this constant social bonding that releases the endorphins and neuropeptides that strengthen the immune system and boost the power of recovery. Put simply, love heals. Conversely, Rabbi Sachs continues, one of the greatest health hazards in the contemporary West is that ever more people are living alone. Isolation increases stress, lowers immunity, and reduces life expectancy. And Rabbi Sachs later concludes, togetherness is good for the body, not just the soul. The Bible puts it simply, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. We can face the future without fear, Rabbi Sachs writes, when we know we will not face it alone. End quote. The lesson here is profound. The sustaining togetherness with God and knowing we are not alone ought to inspire us to ensure that others feel companionship as well. Thus, Groupman describes another patient of his, Barbara Wilson, who, like George Griffin, possessed a manifest faith, one which motivated her to warm and brighten the lives of others. Groupman writes, quote, I noted once more Barbara's calm and poise and wondered whether they were real. She showed no fear, no anxiety, despite the prospects we were contemplating. I told myself that I needed to monitor her outlook as closely as her heart function and her blood counts. Like George Griffin, she gave no hint of denial about her condition or her prognosis. Could someone really transcend the deep fear of death that seems to mark us all? If so, I wanted to know how. Barbara's chemotherapy was scheduled to begin at the end of the week. She arrived alone, saying a friend would pick her up and drive her home. She walked easily into the treatment room, occasionally catching the gaze of a fellow patient receiving an infusion of drugs or in the midst of a blood transfusion. She smiled at each and, if the fellow patient returned her gesture, offered a gentle good morning. I am on the healing committee of my church, Barbara said. She explained that this group assisted the sick in the congregation, whether at home or in hospital. When you've been a patient yourself, she continued, you realize how much more it means for someone to show up in person rather than send one more vase of flowers or another Hallmark card. Continues Groupman, I said I fully agreed, but not everyone had the fortitude to enter the room of a sick person, and some people felt awkward being so close to illness not knowing what to say. I'm not judging those who send flowers or cards instead of visiting, she said. Just that being present, even if you feel awkward, is so comforting, end quote. This is exactly right. Human companionship is powerful, impactful. But there is no presence more enduring than God's presence. 
Throughout the Psalms, David seeks to instruct us that even alone, we are not alone. For thou, capital T, art with me. In a similar sense, David tells us in Psalm 27, God will ensconce me in his shelter on an evil day. And he adds, For when my father and mother have left me, the Lord shall gather me in. This psalm is also well known to many traditional Jews, and yet Psalm 23 remains elementally powerful. Consider this. So many psalms begin with the Hebrew words, Mizmor le David, a psalm of David. And yet for a traditional Jew to say in common parlance, let us sing Mizmor le David, is to immediately reference Psalm 23. For many, Psalm 23, Mizmor le David, is sung as the sun sets, bringing the Sabbath to a close. This because throughout many of the centuries, for many Jews, the end of the Sabbath marked the end of the brief respite away from a world of persecution and hate. It was in these moments that they prepared mentally to face the cold, dark, harsh environment outside. And so they spent those last moments of the Sabbath with King David and with his devout declamation, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Psalm 23 is the Psalm of David because it exquisitely expresses in so few sentences the powerful pulsating soul of the Psalms in its entirety. In a certain sense, the enduring inspiration of Psalm 23 also lies in the fact that it does not deny danger, darkness, death. On the contrary, precisely because these exist, therefore God's closeness is so sustaining. Jerome Grootman in his epilogue reflected as follows, quote, Each disease is uncertain in its outcome, and within that uncertainty we find real hope because a tumor has not always read the textbook, and a treatment can have an unexpectedly dramatic impact. This is the great paradox of true hope. Because nothing is absolutely determined, there is not only reason to fear, but also reason to hope. And so we must find ways to bridle fear and give greater rein to hope. George Griffin knew this long before I did. Grootman later adds, There are times when I doubt and do not see how faith can bolster hope. At such moments I think back to George Griffin, and especially the psalm that he recited during his struggle. There is deep comfort in the sense that we are not alone when we try to move out of the shadow of death. I also think of Barbara Wilson, whose faith enabled her to sustain the calm and balance to address the yearnings of her soul. There are also instances when patients and their families look directly to God for assistance in a cure. I once asked one of these patients, a middle-aged Italian-American woman with breast cancer who attended Mass regularly, what words she addressed to God. I pray that he helps my doctors, that he gives them wisdom. That, Grootman concludes, has become my prayer. End quote. So, Dr. Grootman writes, As for us, it is Psalm 23 that has become our prayer. Though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Over the generations, this has proven to be one of the most inspiring sentences in human history. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together next week. Wishing you a Shabbat Shalom, signing off.